0: Welcome back to the best podcast in the minors. I am once again producer slash co-host slash Canadian baseball stan Carter Chapley, and I'm joined by uh, co-host, minor league dude, and Mexican baseball stan Daniel Guerrero. <laughs> Daniel, it's a tough day for us too, isn't it? It's it's, it's a little bit, maybe a uh, contentious episode. Uh,
1: what, back in 2013? Was it 2013? This would it have was, been a very contentious episode. It,
0: um, it was
1: 2013, yeah. I think it's into it the... Yeah. Water under the bridge at this point, yeah. Do not sit. least, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> I don't know how Tyler O'Neill feels about that uh, that that uh, that that afternoon, but I, I guess uh, you know he, he he might still carry some bad blood. Who knows? But we'll find out today. I, of course, speak of, of that. You know, by the time this episode comes out, we'll know the result of the game. But Canada and Mexico take each other on in a, in a winner take all matchup at the WBC today to see who moves on to the quarterfinals. Um, I'm not very confident in my Canadian squad. Daniel, I think, is a little more confident in his Mexican squad to um to move on in this game in this series. Um what have you thought overall of the WBC, Daniel? Have you uh, have you watched more than just your own teams? Uh
1: a little bit. Know? I mean they're it, I mean, it's like what players were saying before they left I mean, Cardinals camp. I mean and and obviously like other uh major league players and other for other teams are saying, you know, it's Playoff atmospheres in March, which I feel like it's a different. I mean, it is, a, I mean, from what we've seen on TV, obviously. I mean, I actually, um, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I actually was at the first WBC edition of it, um, 2006. You went in
0: 2006. A, okay. Yeah.
1: And Anaheim, we got, um, one of my uncles gave us tickets for Christmas. Uh, I had no idea really what the extent of it was or what. What it was, I just knew we were going to see baseball games at Angel Stadium. Uh, it was cool, I mean, seeing fans and seeing, you know, different teams represented. I mean, because I remember seeing, uh, like, Team Japan play. I remember seeing Ichiro hit a home run in the first inning of, of their game. I think it was against the U.S. Uh, obviously seeing Mexico play, seeing, you know, all these other U.S. players, I mean, on that team. Um, but, I mean, especially that we've seen now how the, the tournament has grown more, how it's become more popularized and more Stars or uh, across the league are getting involved. I mean, we're seeing uh, right. those cultures represented in in the stadiums, right? It's it's not just a playoff atmosphere because it's it's a big important game. It they're also rivalry games, they're also games of of pride, uh, like we see during the World Cup. I mean, I know we draw that comparison a lot here. Yeah, of the two tournaments. So, I mean, it's like today. At, I mean, as we record this later, at the Domin- at the Dominican Republic will play Puerto Rico, which Obviously it's gonna be a huge game, not because not only because of the implications of who moves on in the pool play, but also because obviously that is a huge rivalry between uh, the two it's emotional uh, countries. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's a it's a bragging rights type thing. So that's why I feel like like especially what we saw Sunday with the US and Mexico, where yeah, sure, that game is gonna be a huge factor in determining who comes out of pool play. But also, it's a sense of like, okay, like especially when we see in soccer, where it's like these are the two natural rival countries that play against each other in, in, the, in the Concacaf, and now we see the baseball version of it, um, where a lot of Mexican fans treat it like treat it as such, where it's like this is a huge win, um, not just for the team and for the tournament, but also just for a sense of national pride and and seeing your, you know, the country or your culture, your heritage, kind of be represented and and show up like that.
0: I thought, yeah, I I agree. Having that, you know, it's 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 they call it club and country for a reason, right? Like there's yeah. different things it matters more. And I think we kind of see that now in that like to some countries this just matters more. Like for some people this is an opportunity to like represent your country in in a way that you otherwise wouldn't. And mm-hmm. like for for countries like especially for really small countries like 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 Puerto Rico, like the Dominican Republic, um, I'm trying to think. Like you know, you can go on, you can go anywhere, like across the world, like Czech Republic. There's a lot of pride because they don't have a, exactly a great baseball history, and this is kind of the first yeah, it's Canadian more it's
1: more of yeah, like a, more of a landmark kind of groundbreaking thing for them.
0: Right. There's a lot of Canadians who, um, like Tyler O'Neill, has talked about it at length about like the pride that he feels in wear, being able to wear the Canadian jersey, like he and he has. To his credit, has you know, he has played for Team Canada at every opportunity. Uh, people like Freddie Freeman, who are not American born or, or Canadian born, Canadian born players, but have a deep emotional connection to the country through their families, they can represent them in a way. And, and, and I'm not sure we get the same. You know, I think we get uh, some of it out of the out of Team USA in that they have a lot of fun doing it. Um, like everyone talks about how much fun it is to play for Team USA to play on a lineup like that but I do sometimes see the intensity that other countries play with and see it's a little bit different. And um, it's just so exciting to watch. Now, I, I will ask you, because I've looked it up. Um, you went to the 2006 World Baseball Classic in An- Anaheim, which I find rather unique that you got tickets to because um, it wasn't a um, a group game. That was the secondary group they used to have. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was a second-round game, which Mexico qualified for, but wasn't yeah. a guarantee to qualify for Canada. Of course, um, was the uh, was on the outside looking in and Pool B that year when Mexico and the United States moved forward. Um, all three teams had a two and one record, beating up on South Africa. Uh, but do you do you remember the score of that game you went to? I have it right here. Which
1: one? The the Mexico uh, USA Mexico one or Japan? Or the Japan? Mexico, Mexico Japan. Japan. I don't I don't remember if I was exactly at the Mexico Japan one. I know for sure I saw USA Japan. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I know for and I know for sure I saw Mexico USA. Um, uh, I do know. I think I went to three games though, because we had tickets to all three games, or for we had tickets to a bunch of the games that were there. And I remember actually, I remember kind of feeling bad because I think I went to all of them and like. My one of my older brothers it's like, like oh like no you take the ticket and I was like uh well, I mean I felt kind of bad taking it from him. Oh. They're like oh no like you go. Um I don't I don't remember the score though I do remember that Japan, I'm I'm pretty sure Japan beat the US and I remember Mexico beating the US and that and so the games Japan that I went lost to lost
0: four three to the United States.
1: Oh never mind.
0: Uh Japan beat Mexico six one. Mm-hmm. And then Mexico beat the States two one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I I remember the Mexico win specifically because I remember players literally like running like this. This this is, I guess, like as a kid, because I mean, what, that was 06. Yeah. So I was what, maybe like nine at the time, maybe eight. Yeah. Uh, I do remember specifically remember seeing the Mexico players like literally running or like or on like around the warning track of like the outfields, not the warning track, but like. Part like yeah. literally circling the fields like a victory lap and like throwing like baseballs into the crowd, which is um, because of huge... because yeah.
0: of how huge of a win that was. And that that win for Mexico kept the U.S. out of the semifinals. Yeah, that if if the U.S. had won, they would have gone into the semifinals. Ultimately, they they didn't. But you know what piece piece of, piece of little baseball history? I went to the 2013 World World Baseball Classic in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of a tweet thread about this about how like you know in in, in Toronto I went to. Uh, Italy, Venezuela, Canada, USA, and USA, Venezuela. I think was the was the three games I went to, and then my sister, Uh my dad took my sisters to to some of the other games. Um, Like I I remember, like that. It's so funny, like in hindsight, knowing like two or three years later, the Blue Jays would play really important games in Rogers Center that would be like Uh just loud. But after going to Blue Jays games for you know the first eighteen years, seventeen years of my life. no, it was 2009. It had to have been... Because 2013 was in Arizona when they... When, yeah, yeah, because
1: yeah. that, that was a... That bench clearing brawl.
0: 2009, it was in Toronto. And the lineup was like... Gosh, I'm trying to remember who that up. It doesn't really matter who that up. It might... You know what's funny? It, it might have been, and I'll have to look it up. Stubby Clap, <laughs> Russell Martin, Justin Morneau, Joey Votto, Adam Lowen, And Adam Lowen is now a pitcher on this team, Canada. Um, this current iteration of Team Canada. Um, but C- Canada lost 11-7 to the States, but it was the it was the most exciting baseball game I'd ever been to because it was the only time I had been at Rogers Centre, then Skydome, um, where it was a sellout. It was the first time yeah. I'd ever been in that building where it was a sellout. Uh, so I remember that very deeply. But now we, yeah. we reminisced on the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. <laughs> um, we do have some minorly stuff to talk about. Um, I guess we can keep it on theme here. Um, For some teams, their trips at the World Baseball Classic are over, they're moving on. Um, Teams like Korea, specifically, have um, bowed out earlier than I think they would have liked to, or thought they were going to. Um, Mm -hmm. So Tommy Edmund is coming back. Um, I think that's, you know, Great Britain, uh, after a really, really exciting stretch here in uh, in the United States, stateside, uh, they're bowing out, so there's some... um, Cardinals effects there uh one of um Canada or Mexico will be done after today meaning uh Tyler O'Neill Jojo Romero or Giovanni Gallegos will be coming back uh the real big one here is to- is Tommy Edmond though how is Tommy Edmond returning to camp going to impact specifically one guy Daniel I want to let you kind of. I'm going to tee this up for you a little bit what what what's the impact Tommy Edmond has in returning to camp
1: well, I mean, you have the Cardinals who is, you know, they're starting shortstop returning to camp that really, I mean, his his absence gave the opportunity for Mason Wynn to, and and look, like Mason Wynn has talked about and like it's been talked about before. I mean, Mason Wynn isn't treating this camp, this spring training opportunity as a chance to make the big league team. That's something he understands. It's something that he's aware of and uh, he's been patient and really mature about um, but I mean, his opportunity when Tommy Edmond left for the WBC, uh, he really maximized it. I mean, in, in a lot of different facets of, of the game, I mean, he hit consistently showed off that he is a solid defender with a plus throwing arm. I mean, eight, like we've talked about before, probably, uh,
0: I mean, a throwing arm. A,
1: well, I mean, I was going to say a throwing arm that, I mean, that probably many, very few infielders have down in the minors, um. I'd say very few pitcher, pitchers. Pitchers, exactly. I mean, shoot, uh, you you could make a case that he could probably throw harder than Tinkens. I mean, if yeah. if given the opportunity, which we've seen. Um, but anyways, but yes. So to to your point, the return of Tommy Edman obviously is a lot earlier, maybe earlier than expected from uh, based on you know kind of what what people or what what we thought. Team South Korea was going to be able to do in the World Baseball Classic. Um, as it was reported today, Tommy Edmund is back in Jupiter for Cardinals camp. And, uh, you know, he's going to get assimilated. He's going to get back into the flow of things, get ready for the season as a Cardinals shortstop. And what I guess the question is, you know, what does that do for Mason Win? I mean, we saw him play a little bit of second earlier uh, this spring. I mean, obviously, he stayed mostly at his natural position at short. Uh, and is really impressed. I mean, not just, I mean, the, the big league staff, but also um, just been impressive. I mean, I know fans have kind of been able to see him more often on when games are televised and seeing uh, just his capabilities. So, I mean, it, 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 it feels like, you know, we're at this point now where players are going to be coming back from the WBC. And we had talked a lot, it, a lot of a lot about a lot about, you know, what these prospects were going to do with their opportunities. And we saw what Mason Wynn did with this opportunity. Um, now, how many opportunities are left moving forward? I mean, that that we'll find out later in terms of, you know, how much longer he is in big league camp, uh, how much playing time he gets now that Tommy Edmund is back uh, playing shortstop for the Cardinals in the Grapefruit League. Um, but I, I feel like regardless of, of what happens, I mean, it's it seems like to, uh, Mason Wynn has, has done enough to say, like, okay, I mean, get to – enough to to get that vote of confidence of like yeah th- this guy is the shortstop prospect that he was kind of touted to be um that we had been hearing about for for quite a while now
0: it also probably suggests that he's probably closer to the major leagues than we thought he was mm-hmm. right like and that, one yeah does not one camp does not make a case for being an mlb player but it's certainly like he came in knowing exactly where he stood in terms of like he's you know he could play this year we could see him in the major leagues this year if, if things happen but now he's made the case that maybe we, instead of could, we should see him should time playing time arise. Now, you know, as, as the St. Louis Post dispatches vary very on Ben Fredrickson reports that Paul DeYoung is going through some you know injury stuff right now with his back. It, it, it's curious to see, and, I, and and I mean, I should say I should contextualize, you know, Ben's report. It's not something that they see as like, well, he's not like going to get surgery; he's just struggling with some back tightness. But it definitely leads to leads me to believe that like maybe we don't see Mason Wynn sent right back to minor league camp right away if if available opportunities are still there considering the injury status of of a guy who's competing for that backup role at shortstop. Um, do, do, it, I, I I guess what I'm asking here, Daniel, or what I'm or what I'm talking about here is, has Mason Wynn done enough in your eyes to to say, hey, this guy? is actually major league ready. It's just about finding him the right opportunity.
1: I think it's a little bit of, I think, first of all, I think it's opportunity. That's really the big question. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have two gold glove middle infielders, obviously, I mean, when you, when you look at where, where Mason Win fits into the Cardinals equation other on what would be, you know, the 26-man roster, um, obviously Mason Wynn has come up as a shortstop, has really only played Second base in limited time in the fall yeah. league, uh, very few opportunities in the time. Grapefruit League.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So, but but when you think about the opportunity, that that's one of those questions, right? Yeah. Where we heard this a lot yeah. last year with with the possibility of calling, uh, with with the Cardinals' possibility of calling Nolan Gorman up, yeah. and we hear this now with what with what Jordan Walker is doing and the possibilities of them of him starting the year on the opening day roster when it comes to opportunities, because typically the Cardinals have waited till their top prospect when they, when they bring them up that they've waited until there's that, that right fit, you know, where they're not going to be a part-time player where they're going to get regular playing time. Um, And it feels that way with Mason Wynn. And that's something that he obviously has, has talked about that, you know, this isn't the year that he's, He's not treating this year as he's making a push towards the big league roster. I mean, he's making the most of these opportunities that he's given. Um, he's really changed the, the way he's approaching uh, just kind of the way he's going about uh, what he does at the plate. I mean, last year got off to a really strong start in Peoria. I think he was batting above 340 in the in those first like 30-something games uh, with them. And then gets the call up to, to Springfield or gets promoted to Springfield. And you know, the average dips down, but I mean, interestingly enough, the Homers went up. I mean, he homered eleven times. He only homered once in Peoria. uh and that was something that you know, took a dip in his average. I mean, took a dip in his on base percentage. and he talked about the spring is getting back to being that on base guy, getting back to being the guy who's who's gonna hit singles and steal a base and score, you know on balls in the gap or score I mean score from second when, you know, on a single hit, uh, to the opposite fields. I mean, whatever it is, uh, he's changed his approach in that sense and it's paid off. I mean, he's, he's getting out, he's been hitting, make, making solid contact. And he's also shown a little bit of power. I mean, I, I know we talked about that where Jordan Walker hits that, you know, what was it? 430 foot Homer. And then Mason Wynn. Uh, I, don't, I I forget if it was the day after the next day. I mean, the the day after a couple days later hits that 435 foot Homer where, I, th- I think that was a moment where everybody kind of like stood back into like, whoa, like, okay, we're like, where did that come from? I mean, this isn't something we've seen from him. Um, something that he's, I mean, ironically trying to get away from just to be more consistent with, with getting on base. Um, but as far as being major league ready, I mean, I think there is still some time for his bat to, to come along. I mean, I, I, I think what he's shown now, just with the numbers and just with his approach and just with the way he looks in the box um, it's obviously improved it's it's more uh you're seeing kind of that that final that, that I guess in a way where it's like in a way where it's kind of like like a little bit of a blurry picture of like okay like what is he gonna look like at the play and now it's kind of coming into focus um I still think there is some time for him to get more reps uh, against some higher competition um but you're you're seeing those strides being made um so I mean when it when it comes to the opportunity and the readiness I, I still think there's a little bit of there's some time to wait for him and there's it, it's really I mean in a way with when you look at the middle infield for the Cardinals at the big league level and the expectations for that I mean you have a couple of guys who are sure handed infielders guys who uh on the offensive side you know can be really productive uh so I mean there there really isn't this big need for him to to get a rush to the majors um and same thing he's only 21 years old he has time to develop he has time to get ready in memphis i mean uh and that's where i feel like we'll we'll see him kind of get those reps uh so i mean it, it it's it, it's just been an interesting spring for him just because i mean he he didn't come in like i said he didn't come into the camp trying to make a case for the big league roster but now he's fit into that conversation of well i mean how soon could he get that call to the big league to the big leagues
0: I guess he's putting pressure on the front office in the same way that Nolan Gorman did last year. That's a really apt, mm-hmm. um, comparison where it became untenable to have him in the minors when he was, I mean, what, what did he hit? Like 15 home runs in the first month of the season at, at in the minor leagues or just month plus. No, <laughs> no.
1: It, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I, mean he, I think What's he the number
0: uh, it was a bunch, wasn't it? 16,
1: like, well, he had six, sixteen 16 total yeah. in the minors last year, but, but, uh, I, I know there was a stretch where I think at home or for four or five games in a row, um, but I obviously, got to got off to a really strong start. Down there, well, the, the yeah, I, I, I get your point. Yes,
0: the point be, the point made is that like he he made it so that it was a um, you couldn't it made it really hard on the decision makers at at the major league level to be like okay, like when do we need him in our lineup? And yeah. if he can continue to do that at Memphis, which I'm imagining that's where he's going to get assigned now, based on on the perform. You know, like I could I I think we talked about it in the beginning of the year is, You know, you could see a a path forward where he like could have started the year at Springfield again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like I think it's now with the performance he's putting forward. M- Mason Wynn is going to start the year in Memphis more than likely. And and he can now try and apply the same pressure uh, try and apply the same pressure that um Nolan Gorman did last year because Tommy Edmond is so fluid as a infielder that you don't have to worry about where you're going to put him you could move him mm-hmm. back to second base if you feel like you know what mason Wynn provides is better than what nolan gorman or brendan donovan provides i'm not saying that it will happen but the fluidity of the infield you have allows for those kinds of decisions to be made in the box mm-hmm. which i think is like a unique factor to this cardinal situation right like there's no one blocking him so to speak because of how talented a guy like Tommy Edmund isn't playing other positions. You don't have to worry about him.
1: Right. I mean, I, but I mean, I, I, that's that's kind of a, a a weird dynamic on, on this current Cardinals roster, where you have a lot of guys who you look at possibly fitting in the lineup and you say, yeah, like these guys, I mean, aside, you know, aside from kind of like those, those regular cornerstone players, like the Nolan Gorman, Nolan Aronados and Paul Goldschmidt's, but you have a lot of guys where you say like, yeah, this guy fits, uh, you know, can be a productive player in the lineup. It's like, okay, well, where does he fit on the field? And you have guys who can play different positions, like you said. I mean, uh, that fluidity with Tommy Edmond, that fluidity with with Brendan Donovan. Um, same thing with somebody like Juan Yepes. When I mean, now you look at Mason Wynn, I mean, obviously he he hasn't been locked into one you know set position his entire career. I mean, he, I mean, for the, I mean, he's still a shortstop and has been uh kind of developed as such. But you start looking at different possibilities and you do begin to wonder like okay well not only how soon does he get to the majors but where does like you said where does he fit into the, the big league equation? And
0: credit credit to him. He's one of those guys we talked about at the beginning of the year uh being able to take advantage of the world baseball classic and he certainly has uh probably mm-hmm. more so than anyone else in camp. Is there another guy in camp you can think of that isn't named Jordan Walker who has taken advantage of his time this spring? while perhaps others are gone? Because I, I can't think of one that's done so more so than those two. Um, those are the two that stand out the most.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if we're talking about somebody who has taken advantage of opportunities in camp, it's got to be tink I mean, he still has looked – the yep. stuff has looked really good. I mean, this is another guy who isn't playing to – I mean, isn't coming into the situation trying to push for, for a spot in the big league bullpen, but he's – the stuff he is showing, and the results he's getting, and the poise that he's demonstrating, um, I think Olimar Moles said, said it the best. I mean, it, it it allows you to dream on what he can be. Um, you know, if he applies himself and does the right things, he. Uh, that's just a paraphrase. I mean, I wish I knew the exact quote he said off the top of my head, but but you look, I mean, you, you look at somebody like like Tink who's still only nineteen years old, and and you see what what he's doing in the Grapefruit League, what he's done in the backfields. Um, and the, the stuff looks good. I mean, the it, it's 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 same thing. It's another guy who you're seeing kind of that the pieces of the puzzle come together for.
0: Uh, I've, I've now looked it up. Um, Nolan Gorman had 14 home runs before being called up to the major leagues last year, so I wasn't
1: far off. He said in the first month,
0: when was he called out?
1: It was May, wasn't it? Okay, fair,
0: fair, fair. But the but in fairness, the minor I guess the minor league season started on on, on April fifth. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. In the first two months, then fine. Cool. I, I remember it being like he had fourteen home runs because he hit thirty home runs last year.
1: Yeah, he had thirty total
0: uh, across both uh, AAA and the major leagues, which is kind of like unbelievable that a guy who hit thirty home runs wasn't a part of like the playoff op- the playoff opener lineup. Just totally bizarre. Um, I do want to talk about some other guys who have been impacted by the World Baseball Classic, uh, but more so in how they've been impacted um, since in going to the World Baseball Classic. A guy like Tyler O'Neill, he's not a minor leaguer, obviously, but he has been um, excellent for Team Canada. That's a consideration to have, but no one will talk about here. Guys like Jojo Romero, Giovanni Gallagos have been very good for their countries. Um, I want you to talk about Joseph King. Uh, if you have a quick bio for him and what stood out to you about him in his performance um, for Great Britain, um, I believe it would have been yesterday. So today, today's Wednesday, Tuesday's game against Mexico, Joseph King.
1: Well, for people who haven't really um, had a chance to learn about Joseph King, he was a ninth round pick in the Cardinals draft last year. I mean, out of UC Berkeley, uh, Northern California, Bay Area native, um, his from my understanding, his grandmother or his, uh, his mother is British and that kind of allowed him to play for for Team Great Britain. And, and uh, like you said, I mean, I think Team Great Britain overall in the tournament. I think we talked about this uh, a little bit before recording was was that they and they kind of I mean they surprised they surprised. I mean, but it shouldn't have, been, it shouldn't be have been too, too much of a surprise. I mean, you still have guys who who have played in the minors, I mean, you're not, you're not picking up, picking guys up from a Sunday league. I mean, these are guys who have played professional baseball. Yeah. Yes. Uh, fair. And, uh, I mean, obviously yeah, you have like a couple
0: like indie ball, like unaffiliated ball. That's yeah. like most impressive, but go ahead. And uh, I mean,
1: obviously and then you have a, you know, some, you have a guy like a top prospect, like Harry Ford behind the plate, um, who has also been very impressive in the, or was very impressive in the WBC. But anyways, back to King, uh, Joseph King obviously hasn't pitched in. uh, did not pitch in a minor league game last year then started for for Great Britain through a couple of innings and uh you know command was a little bit a uh, little bit all over the place but i mean his changeup when he controlled it looked really good um that was something that i mean that you saw i mean as as a, a pitch that even you know got a couple swings and misses against uh team mexico hitters um, but i mean I, I thought one of the things that kind of stood out to me was kind of funny I mean, the guy was the guy uh joseph king was you could tell he was having a good time out there. I mean, just watching from TV. I mean, the camera is closing in on his face, and he's all smiles, walking off the mound, all smiles. Um, so, I mean, when when we talked about this, uh, the World Baseball Classic earlier in this in this reporting, um, obviously it's about obviously we talked about uh, kind of the the pride that some of these guys get represent in representing the countries, but also it's an opportunity uh, for guys like Joseph King who. Uh, you know, hasn't played in a in a professional game, but yet he's here facing major league hitters on Team Mexico. I mean, I know we talked about Matt who who is another Cardinals minor league outfielder who is playing for Team Great Britain and has gotten into some games and played against uh, USA and and has seen, you know, major league pitching now. I mean, he's obviously seen a little bit of that in the Grapefruit League, but I mean, it's, it's a different environment. And these guys, uh, you know, went out there. And it's funny because I think when we talked about the way some of these guys kind of treat the, the world baseball classic. Um, I remember talking to Matt Kaperniak and and, I, and, and he talked about it, just being able to represent uh great Britain and, and, and kind of the, the, the growing baseball, I guess, fandom in that country, but also saw it, you know, just as an opportunity to, to play against major league players to have to, to, in and in a, in a week to enjoy, which was an interesting look at, at that. Um, Or an interesting kind of perspective on the tournament
0: yes absolutely it's I I was I'm really happy to see a lot of these guys who may not have other opportunities um this this could be like I mean I know a a bunch of the guys have talked about how the 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 best moments of their professional careers have come pitching for their countries and Mm -hmm. you know the this is an opportunity for a guy like Joseph King to not only be on the biggest stage but also get a memory for the rest of his life that regardless of how his professional career would go, no one can take that away from him. And and that's real. And that's really, really cool. Uh, we talked about Matt Kaperniak. Um he, he has been so core to the um, Great Britain effort. He was part of the team that went and qualified for the Blue oh, Rubik's Classic. Which
1: is funny, because when I talked to him uh, back in Jupiter, he mentioned that, I mean, he was so, a little bit of background on Matt Kaperniak. I mean, he was born in London. His dad was working in the military. I mean, obviously his parents lived there. Uh, during that time, and then he moved back before he turned one. Uh, he didn't return to Europe up until that Regensburg-Germany qualifier, which was yeah. pretty something that he kind of laughed about. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, go on. I mean, uh, sorry to cut you off there. He,
0: he, he's he been great. It's been exciting to see him participate. Um, But the, the one I want to talk about the most, he was optioned back to minor uh, league camp, AAA, uh, Memphis, uh, Guillermo Zuniga, uh, he has been electric for Columbia. Um, can you talk about Guillermo and and what we're seeing? I mean, he has now been moved into MLB pipelines. Thank thank you again to Sam Dykstra for explaining how that worked last week. But Sam moved him into their top thirty in the Cardinals prospects, which is uh, very funny because he said they wouldn't be moving guys based on uh, uh, on on uh, the World Baseball Classic. But I think he he is an example of a guy uh, Zaniga is. Who has actually showed us something stuff-wise differently in his performance for Columbia? What what were you, what have you seen from Guillermo, and and what is is that a guy who can refactor himself into uh, the major league conversation?
1: I mean, I I, I I mean, I think it's fair to say that we could see him at some point up pitching for the Cardinals this year. I mean, he signed a major league deal with them back in December. um, you know, pitched in. I think, I think Double A Tulsa for the for the Dodgers organization. Um, but I mean, he's somebody who, obviously, with Double A. I mean, there's not a whole lot of data available to us. I mean, just as, uh, um, just from here. I mean, obviously, we we can see some of the stack has stuff from the Florida State League, but I mean, Texas League things like that, where we're a little bit limited. We're we can see traditional numbers. Um, <laughs> I mean obviously you can go back, I guess, into like the MILB TV archives and try to see his outings, but but I mean when you when you saw what he did on the biggest stage, or at least the biggest stage up to this point, I mean pitching against Mexico in that in that first game of the WBC for Colombia and Mexico, um man, stuff sharp it's 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 it's, uh, it's electric i mean the guy guy is touching triple digits i mean topped out i think at 101.9 or 102 i guess depending on how you if, if you do you know five or greater roundup uh rule um but but i mean yeah you you see what he did and you see that potential uh for somebody who can come out of the bullpen and and have you know really sharp stuff really electric stuff um i just pulling up his numbers from, from last year. I mean, he had a uh 10.9 strikeouts per nine innings with with uh Tulsa. And that was over 54 and 54 and two-thirds innings. So I mean, it you know, strikeout success is is there. Um, obviously that's something that I know we talked a lot about a lot about on this show, um, just with the Cardinals bullpen and kind of that shift. To that swing and miss. I mean, we're not, for that. We're not seeing, for that. we're not seeing, we're not seeing as much as the guys who are going to pitch the contact and, and try yeah. to get ground ball out. Um, that, I mean, that that's obviously not only a shift to the Cardinals, but kind of a shift in baseball where, where guys, um, are valued more for that, that whiff rate, that, that ability to get guys to chase. And and when you have somebody who touches hundred or 102, I mean, it's another thing you can't really ignore that. I mean, it's, uh, it, I mean, it, it was a really impressive outing. Obviously, it's something that, that got attention from you know, the people who make prospect rankings. um and rightfully so. I mean when when you do that on on a stage like that, um, but I mean, yeah, it's I think it's fair to say that at some point, I mean Guillermo Zuniga is is somebody who you could see, uh, you know, getting an opportunity to contribute at the big league level.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because I think back to when um, Aldi Marmol was talking about in the middle of last season, you can't teach ninety nine. You can't, and then you have I, a guy who throws three extra miles an hour harder than that. Um, yeah, I mean Velo is one thing. His ERA doesn't stand out as great from last year in, in AA Tulsa, but like it, it felt like the reason he was so ta- he was so good in that outing for, for Columbia was not only his ability to, to you know pump Velo right get get up into those triple digits. But he was able to, you know, locate his breaking pitches, yeah. which is the difference, right? Like it, someone once told me that every everyone can hit a, hun- a flat a hundred. You need to be able to mix it in, right? Like, got I think I think it was the post dispatch's very own Derek Gould who was like, you know, R- Ryan Helsley is great not because he can throw a hundred and two, it's because he can do the other stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, like he he can he can mix it, he can match it, and if if. What we saw from Zaniga is that he can use that wipeout slider. He can kind of locate, and it's like an eighty-nine. Like that's that's crazy. That like there's that much gap on his breaking ball and his fastball that's going to keep hitters off balance, especially if they're only one inning outings and and get those strikeouts. It's it's impossible mm-hmm. to me. I would I, I would say the only thing stopping him this year from at least getting an outing in with the big club is okay. The the, the Canada Mexico game is now on, and I'm now being. For for, mm. for the listeners, we now we, we are now, I think, both watching it. Uh the only thing stopping Garam was Zinigo from playing for the Cardinals this year's injury, I would imagine. Like there's going to be there's going to be a an opportunity for innings this season. It's gonna happen. No no major league roster uses exactly thirteen pitchers or the or the, the thirteen or twelve that they take out of spring training. He's gonna get an opportunity and with the stuff he has, they're gonna want to see what he does in the major league sooner rather than later. That's that's my yeah read on that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, the 26 you leave camp with are, aren't the 26 you end the season with.
0: Or even play with. You might end the season with, but somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it, it changes, right? And and um, he does something that the back end of the bullpen, they were they were kind of desperate for last year, it seems like, with the Cardinals, was that once you got to the eighth inning with the lead, you felt pretty good with that Gallegos um, Helsley back end of the bullpen. And you can tell me if I'm wrong about this, but that kind of that was kind of where things kind of felt more comfortable uh, last year. It was bridging the five-inning start from six, the sixth and seventh inning they had struggles with.
1: Right, and that's where, you know, somebody like Zach Thompson came along and, yeah. you know, started down in the minors, but obviously was effective as a reliever and is being kind of treated as such. Or not kind of, is being treated as, you know, as a reliever and somebody who could do that. Yeah, and
0: and if you can, if, if can find his role as the sixth-inning man or the seventh-inning man, and, and, you know, like, You might not think of a guy who throws triple digits as being, well, he's most valuable in the sixth inning. Listen, like, great. Now you have four dudes who can pitch in the ninth and you can decide which days you want to use them or which combinations you want Mm -hmm. to have them. That's fine. Because I think the other guy that isn't participating or or I haven't seen as much uh, is Wilkin Rodriguez. And um, same thing. He's got that same kind of profile of dudes who can throw hard, basically. Am Mm -hmm. Am I totally off about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean guy who throws hard, but I mean same thing, somebody who um I I think like, like you said, we get caught up in in the the numbers on the fastball, but I mean it that's the other stuff that you can do and same thing like bulky. I mean somebody who throws hard but can control it. It doesn't walk a lot of guys.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um anything else from the world baseball classic we want to touch on here? I think that's all the Cardinals implications. Uh, we're going to see Lars Nubar continue to be the the superstar of of Team Japan, um, of Japanese culture. Now, did you see the yeah. uh, the Japanese national soccer team was doing the? Uh, I did not see that. grinder? yeah, they were doing it too. Um,
1: but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, next when we get to uh, was it when we get to August during the Little League World Series, I'm taking the over on the number of of Jap- uh, uh, Japanese Little Leaguers who choose Lars Nubar as, as, as their favorite, favorite player. player.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I I agree. I think he's gonna, he's going to be, gonna be I think
1: he'll be a very popular uh player for yeah. for Team Japan or Japan's Little League World Series team.
0: How how long until we start seeing like it's almost like a, like a How I Met Your Mother bit or like a, I guess like a like a TV show bit where it's like Lars nupar does commercials in Japan and it's like
1: what odd Oh, product, yeah, 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 that's a good like, reference. Like
0: what odd product does does Lars Nubar sponsor in like like what energy, like Japanese energy drink, or um, like protein bar, or pepper, or, season, like, or seasoning, seasoning. You know, like you know, how long until that you start seeing those ads coming out of Japan? I think they happen, um, as the French would say, too sweet. Um, <laughs> some car- other Cardinals news we want to get into, and I, I, I only want to get into this because I feel like it, it is, it impacts the miners very, very specifically. Um, Gordon Grisepo, Michael McGreevy uh reassigned to minor league camp Jake Walsh optioned to Memphis so in in essence back to minor league camp can you explain why those so first and foremost why are those things different option or being reassigned this is just a good opportunity to kind of clarify some um bureaucratic stuff
1: yeah yeah and I mean you can obviously correct me if I'm wrong but obviously Jake Walsh is on the 40-man roster he did make his major league debut he's optioned out of or optioned to the uh to uh, to Memphis right So I saw that we saw that with Gera Um as non-roster invitees, Gordon Grisepo and Mike McGreevy. Obviously, their reassignments minor league camp. I mean, there's no option needed. I mean, they weren't on the 40-man roster, um, and essentially they just kind of get sent to the other side of uh, the minor league clubhouse and the backfields at this point. And, and obviously, there's an opp- there could there could be an opportunity where they uh, are in a bullpen for for a great Grapefruit League game, and we've seen that with with some other. Uh, guys who have been in minor league camp. I mean, Cooper Chirpy has been in the bullpen. Bryson Motts was also in the bullpen for them. We saw Mike Antico make a start in center field. Victor Scott as well. Um, but yes, but I mean, th- that's actually a good clarification on that. Um, so thanks for bringing that up, actually.
0: Yeah, it's it's. An, I think it's just an important note to keep track of in terms of like, this is why this guy got reassigned versus optioned. Um, the 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 third guy, the fourth guy in that list... Uh, being Freddie Pacheco, was waived and claimed by Detroit. Uh, he was a guy we looked at as being really valuable to this team. Uh, we thought he was going to play a bigger role than he ended up doing for the Cardinals. Um, could very easily play a big role for Detroit next year. Uh, do you have any sense of what that situation is all about and and what maybe Detroit fans can, can expect?
1: Are there, are there Detroit fans listening to
0: this podcast? No, but I might clip it and put it on social <laughs> media or something. <laughs>
1: Um, that'd be funny if there were like tiger fans who listen to the best podcasts in the minors. They know what's up. They're probably listening to to soccer, to STL today, soccer talk. That's for sure. Yes,
0: they are for sure. Um, they don't have their own. Anyways,
1: but yeah, but anyways, I mean, Freddie Pacheco, I mean, like you said, was one of those guys that we talked about as somebody who could, especially, I remember talking about him a lot late in the season as, as, as a potential fit to, to whether, I mean, somebody who could. Provide some innings out of the bullpen. I mean, he closed games for, for Springfield and Memphis last year. Um, had a little bit more success in, you know, when it comes to like ERA and stuff like that in Springfield when he got to Memphis, um, still was kind of the backhand of the bullpen type guy. Uh also same thing, guy with high velocity. Um, some, I mean and, and and somebody who you looked at the makeup of of his arsenal and kind of felt like, you know, there's a fit for him somewhere in a big league bullpen. Um, obviously just never got that opportunity uh, to do that last year with the Cardinals, you know, won't, well, I guess from what we're looking at it now, I mean that, that opportunity could, could come with Detroit, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's Cardinals. I mean, when, as we get closer, I mean, what, today's March, today, March 15th, the it day
0: after 12 days,
1: the day after St. Louis day, March 15th. I mean, you're yep. kind of looking at, at what, I mean, what that those 26 players breaking camp with the Cardinals are going to be. I mean, you, you start to think that, you know, there's probably a chance that you have to clear a roster spot for somebody who, who really impresses you and you can't really leave behind in the minors.
0: I wonder who that could possibly be. I I have no clue who is uh, <laughs> on the 40 man right now. Who who has is, a chance. Yeah. who's making a major impact with the big, with the big club at, at in the grapefruit league uh, on a daily basis and is, literally littering the column inches the uh the pages of stl today and S- the stainless post dispatch um jake walsh is the guy the only guy i look in this list of guys who i'm genu- genuinely surprised was sent down this early um i only say that because i was listed um i listed him as a guy who would break i i thought i had a chance to break camp uh he does a lot of the same things we were just talking about with Zaniga uh wilking like he's a hard thrower high strikeout guy i have to imagine the only reason the reason he's being sent down is because he just needs more work after be, going through his surgery last year he just yeah needs i think more I, opportunities in, in the minors to get
1: work. yeah not, that's a good point i mean he talked about his arm feeling i remember when i mentioned that you know his arm was feeling as best as it as it, as it had been i mean after i mm-hmm. recall uh, i mean after the injury from last year i mean when, when we saw him up in the majors i mean he had that swing and miss stuffs as you well that true. yeah that that the Cardinals are looking for. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's the same thing. It's another guy who's already on the 40 man, can come up at at some point to make an impact on the big league team. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean it's it the 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 other two players option or not option sent out of big league camp. Um I think they were outside candidates. Maybe. I mean, I I, I would say very outside. According to Cephal and Michael McGreevy, I mean. Uh, obviously, they got they got a good look in front of the big league staff. Got some opportunities in the Grapefruit League uh, to show I mean, the, the strides that they've made down in the minors uh, at the AA A level. Um, you know, non roster guys. I mean, it would take in a little bit, little bit different of a, a, a yep, a, a kind of a chain of events for them to crack the big league roster. Um, you would have a couple of guys who
0: Jordan Walker esque. Best spring.
1: Yeah. And um shot. yeah. I mean, but when you look at kind of going into the minor league season, and you know, as as you know, we look at the, like just overall kind of trends in the minors on this podcast. I mean when you when you look at kind of what they've taken away from that camp, um and kind of how they're they're going into the year, I mean we're we're gonna see them as well. I mean, yep. Still stay still stay on that starter track. They're gonna get innings. Um they're co- they're guys who haven't you know understood what what they need to do to to improve and what they need to do to kind of find those consistent results that they're looking for um they both had a ton of innings last year and you know could could see them in Memphis and yeah this year I mean, I that's something that you know is a possibility of them kind of being that starter tandem down there um uh, and really just kind of gearing up for you know possibly later the season or even 2024 if you know with 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 the way the 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 rob the Cardinals the Cardinals roster makeup is,
0: yeah, there's going to be opportunities for them in the future. It it kind of stands to reason that with Grapefruit League coming coming to a close in the next two weeks, mm-hmm. guys like uh, Jack Flaherty and Steven Matz, and yeah, Bernie you Freed, need they're going to go they're going to go deeper into games. So there's just less innings to like eat. Mm-hmm. So you can like there's not opportunities for. Gordon Graceff or Michael McGurvy to pitch in the Grapefruit League. So go put them down in, in um, minor league camp where they can play back, backfield games and actually get starting opportunities as they gear up to start games in the minor league, right? They're not being, yeah. if they were being profiled as minor leaguers or as relief pitchers, excuse me, in the minors, you might see them stay with the big club because they're going to get opportunities to pitch an inning or two in the Grapefruit League. But that's just not the case anymore. You're not going to, you're not mm-hmm. turning those two top starting pitching prospects into relievers just yet. So give them chances to work as they would normally rather than behind Jordan Montgomery, um, Jack Flaherty, uh, Stephen Matz, w- when Miles Michaelis and Adam uh, Wainwright return those two guys. Um mm-hmm. uh I do want to say before we sign off here, a quick word of uh support, uh thoughts, energy, and prayers for uh um Jose Quintana, former Cardinal, hmm, found yeah. a tumor on his ribs, which will keep him out. It's benign, fortunately, uh, but that is a scary situation for his family regardless, uh, for him and his family regardless. So before we kind of sign off here, I just wanted to make note of that. Uh, he was a very kind Cardinal. Um, in his short time here, was very friendly to, to both me and Daniel. Uh, in my limited experiences with him, he was very nice to me. Uh, he, he I, I, will, I will say he sprayed a bunch of White Claw on me in Milwaukee um, when they clinched the uh, NL Central crown. He was a very friendly guy, and I was very upset to hear that they had found a medical issue that's... You know, pitchers already go through enough. We talked about that at the beginning beginning of the show. They already go through enough um, arm-wise, injury-wise, that to have something that's completely unrelated to baseball um, is just too bad for a guy like him who was kind of coming off of a really strong year. So thoughts and prayers to him and his family. Uh, anything else you want to send us off here with Daniel before we uh, um, go forth with the, you know, two more weeks of spring uh, before opening day here in St. Louis?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, going to be an interesting wind down to, to the end of the Grapefruit League. I mean, we're getting to that point where we're going to start seeing names leave big league camp to go to minor league camp. uh Roster starts to take shape i mean not just at the big league level but i mean even at the minor league level where guys uh, are going to end up starting the season so you know we're going to do our best to keep you covered here and yep. in the know of what we know what's going on with uh down in jupiter um what could be going on you know at the farm system next year um but i mean yeah i just say to keep it locked in here uh best podcast in the minors i go check out the rest of the are we calling it the st louis post dispatch podcast network or do we have a name for that
0: we don't have a name for it yet but we're working on some stuff like that so that that's that might be a little bit of a tease moving forward mm.
1: but yes go check out uh the best podcast in baseball but you probably already knew that um check out net front presence or blues podcast with uh our blues writers Matthew DeFranks, jim thomas check out uh eye on, eye on the tiger do i have that right eye on the tigers Eye on the Tigers with Dave Madder and Ben Fredrickson. And also check out STL Soccer Talk with Carter Chapley and S, uh, STL City Beat writer Tom Timmerman. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, a lot of good stuff coming in. Uh, you know, a lot of content you can find online uh, coming soon. I mean, special section stuff coming up for season preview and the post-dispatch. So,
0: yeah, like uh, it'll be on newsstand soon.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting times, uh, not just with the season, but uh, with with what's coming your way uh, for you listeners and readers out there.
0: Daniel, we're only, what what do we know, 14 days away, two two weeks from Major League Baseball. Um, two weeks. Two weeks was just crazy because, like, I was just thinking about, like, you know, we have to pitch our uh, – I, I know you, you and the, the baseball writers, me on the digital side, we have a lot to get done between now and then. But this podcast will be going again all season long. Uh, until I'm told otherwise, so uh, right, <laughs> we'll be, we'll, be, we'll be here with the uh, with the minor league scoops. Uh, I know Daniel and I are planning a bunch of trips this year to go visit some of the minor league sites. Um, we'll have eventually minor league rosters will be announced. There'll be lots of stuff to talk about. So, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate you your time, energy, and effort. And uh, two weeks till baseball season starts. Exciting.